I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Going Offsides, presented by the Lacrosse Collective on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Miles? Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? This is Nick, and then I have my co-host here, Ryan. How you doing, man? How are you guys doing? Good, thank you. Oh, all right so first of all thanks for coming on the show we really appreciate it and you know we both appreciate anybody that makes the decision to, to you know be in the military and attend west point so we just want to thank you for that thank you i appreciate you guys for having me yeah no worries man so you know it's not a really big secret that both your parents went to west point so was there ever a doubt that you were going to attend west point yourself um not really um in fact my parents uh after i committed and everything they tried to talk me out of it only to play devil's advocate to make sure that um it was kind of my own decision and uh something that i wanted to do for me and not to like you know make them proud or feel like i had to do it because they win or something so um ever since i can remember from uh probably about the age of two years old i always wanted to go to west point and i always wanted to play lacrosse well, I mean, kind of going in that direction, I mean, obviously West Point is such a prestigious place, such a prestigious program with so much history. Can you talk a little bit, you know, what's it like playing for Coach Alberici and what, what kind of impact has he had on you and, and what kind of impact did he have on you in terms of the recruiting process, making you feel like you obviously want to go to West Point, continue my lacrosse career? And, you know, what's it like being an Army lacrosse player and what does that mean to you? I mean, Coach A is one of the best men I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, I, uh, me and he treats uh, me and all the other guys like as his sons, and um, and he's just one of the best mentors and leaders I've ever seen. Um, even with all of the amazing leaders I'm I'm around in the army, I mean, Coach A really really sticks out, and and just the way he leads the program and and treats uh, not only you but then your extended fa- like your own family as his extended family, and so it's. And I think that's really special um, and a testament to kind of his character and, and uh, the type of man he is, just how uh, welcomed he always makes you feel. And I mean, with that said, he holds you accountable and, and you got to be on your, your, your A game all the time. And he kind of expects that from you um, and will let you know when you're, you aren't living up to it. And, and he really pushes you and strives you to be the best version of yourself. And I think that also is kind of what it's like being at West Point as well. You're, you're surrounded by so many talented people that um, you kind of realize that uh, you're not always going to be the best at everything and, and not always going to be, you know, um, succeeding all the time. And you, and you learn a lot from the, the failures, I think, that you have at West Point, whether that be, you know, failing a test or, or a physical test um, or, you know, out of practice or something, you may not have the best day. I think um, they kind of put you through all these different tough situations um, where you really have to learn, how to bounce back from all these different challenges that, that you're facing on a day-to-day basis. And so um, that was kind of what it was like being at West Point. And then as far as being an Army lacrosse player, I mean, um, I'd always kind of grown up around uh, Army lacrosse, you know, with my dad um, playing in the early 90s. And um, I called all of his teammates like my uncles. And so I, I kind of knew going in to an extent how close the program was and I think that's really unique to, to West Point and, and maybe the other service academies that um, just kind of the different challenges you go through every day 
forms a bond that uh, you may not always get at other places. And, and I think that's really special and unique to being an Army lacrosse player is, is all the all the relationships that you form. It's uh, a brotherhood, and, and we talk about family uh, more than we talk about lacrosse. And so I think that's pretty special. And, um, you know, I met my best friends for the rest of my life and guys that'll be in my wedding or be godparents and, and all that stuff. And I think it's pretty pretty unique place to go and play uh, lacrosse. So. Fantastic. <clears throat> Ryan, did you have something to add to that? or? Yeah, I mean, in terms of all that, I mean, you know, you're talking about how, and it's no secret, you guys were having a real special year um, prior to, obviously, COVID kind of you know, disturbing that for, for everybody, not just, not just the, the service academies, you know, can you kind of talk us through kind of <clears throat> that whole situation? I mean, you guys were on a tear. You, it, it seemed like the season was going to be, you know, one for the ages for you guys. Um, you know, once COVID hit and everybody kind of made that decision to kind of shut down and, and cancel um, the rest of the season, how was that for you guys? I mean, as, as a program, what were some of the things that, you you know, you guys went through and, and how did you deal with it? And then also, too, it's unlike other institutions, were you guys able to stay on campus? Did they send you home? Was West Point kind of like its own bubble? I think that's something that a lot of people probably would be interested about. Yeah, so we were um, up here. Um, we it was uh, the week leading up to the Lehigh game, and and we mm-hmm. were on our school was on spring break, so uh, the lacrosse team was was staying at school, um, you know, together. Uh, you go and stay in the same barracks. Uh, we call it dorms barracks, but you go and stay in the same one together, and it's uh, monitored and all that stuff. But so we were already all up here. Um, we were the only people here, so mm-hmm. we were. Uh, we were doing, I think we practiced in the morning and then uh, we kind of saw on our phones that the Patriot League had canceled, um, you know, their events and, and their season. Like, um, but West Point being a little different, like they make exceptions. So it, we, we kind of held out hope a little bit. And then we had practice in the afternoon and, and we uh, like more and more of the different conferences started to, you started to see more cancellations. And so we started to get kind of nervous, but uh we had dinner that night at, at coach's house. Um, he has us over for, for dinner over spring break and everything. And um, he kind of brought us into the kitchen and uh, told him that he got the official word that our season was being canceled. Um, and, you know, as a senior, that was pretty tough to hear because uh, this was before, obviously, it was, I was drafted to play professionally. I kind of thought my lacrosse career was, was over right then and there. And so that was a little tough to process, you know, um, with my other teammates and my other seniors specifically, just knowing that it was kind of done, um, that was hard. And, and then also, uh, the questions about like eligibility and, and all that stuff, being a service Academy, it's unique in a lot of ways, but it's also, um, you, you, there's no fifth year players, um, mm-hmm. barring any like extenuating circumstances, but you have to, like, once you get here, um, you graduate in four years and there's no fifth years. And so we, um, not only did I lose my senior season, but all the other guys, uh, you know, lost, whether it be their freshman season, sophomore, junior, and, and knowing that they would never get it back. And so, um, that, that was tough. And, and, you know, like you've said, we were having such a great year. You know, we were so excited with how things were going and, um, how well we were playing and really thought we had national championship aspirations and, um, that was also something that was, that was pretty difficult to get over just because it felt like we were cheated out of making history and, and having our, 
um, our part um, in such a storied program. And so it was tough, but really just knowing that I wasn't going to have uh, time with that team anymore um, or in that program is, is probably the, was the hardest part to deal with because um, I grew up, it was, for me, it was a childhood dream to play there and, and everything. And so knowing that I only had that time and it was cut short, it, was, it took me a while to get over. And um, luckily I had the chance to play for the Denver Outlaws this summer. And so I, my lacrosse career wasn't yet over, but it, it, it was never going to be the same, you know, never being able to wear that Army jersey again. Um, but we just came together and um, spent that time together and um, tried to stay as close as possible. And so you you had, you know, your freshman, sophomore year, obviously, you know, Army is a deep program. You have to definitely earn your way onto the field. Junior year, you uh, you kind of came out and, and just went on a tear. You had something like uh, seven hat tricks that season. When you were a sophomore, did you foresee your future ending up in you know professional lacrosse in any way? Um, I mean, I, I I knew that I had a lot of work to do um, to get on the field, and at that time, uh, professional lacrosse wasn't wasn't my goal or wasn't really on the radar yet. Cause for me, I, I was I just wanted to play and make a, a an on the field contribution to you know the our team, and so I really focused on trying to do the little things and for me it was it was never the uh the scoring that I had an issue with or why I didn't see the field as much it was kind of the the other things like riding or ground balls and so uh what kind of set me apart and allowed me to play uh really my last two years was uh the extra things that coach a really told me to focus on and that was um the hustle plays and and the the ground balls and, and riding to the midfield line and I think before I hadn't really taken that step to do those things um and so once i did i was then allowed to to have my shot and didn't really look back after that and so um that's the big thing in our program we have amazing players um on so many levels and in such a deep depth chart that you have to do those little things to to kind of set yourself apart to get your shot to play and coach a really harps on that like the kind of the the plays that might not really make the stat book or the highlight reel is is what sets us apart and i think that's what sets us apart on the field with other teams too is how much we focus on those those important things but yeah you, i mean once once i kind of broke out and had my junior year and uh then going on to my senior year i i really started to look forward to having a chance to be able to play whether that was mll pll or nll i just wanted to be able to keep playing and so um i think it was beginning of the season I was on a uh, like a watch list for the draft um, for for the leagues and and then that really uh, sparked my interest and in having guys like Johnny Serdick from the year before and then guys like uh, Adam Fullerton mm -hmm. Tom Pelesi and uh, John Glesner in just years before that have gone on to play I knew it was possible and uh, really I started to, to kind of look forward to it okay so your your season gets cut short and you know no one can plan for that but like you said you were you were soon after drafted what was that feeling like to to know that you might have a chance to maybe you know play at least one more time before you know you you get into the heart of your your service um i mean i was i was super excited um it was a big deal uh for me and my family and um i knew that i i was going to uh, represent the program to the best of my ability and just to, to have that chance to go out and show um, 
kind of my skill set, but then also be a platform to show that um, it is possible to be able to follow, you know, whatever lacrosse dreams you may have, and but also serve your country. So it is different, obviously, with little with uh, other sports that uh, professional lacrosse isn't a full time job, mm-hmm. and so it is a unique ability for us and me and my uh, teammate Tom Rigney and then Johnny Serdic to to be able to serve and also play lacrosse and um, that the lacrosse doesn't take away from uh, our military service. So we are like full-time active duty um, officers and also get to play lacrosse. And so it's, it's definitely unique. And I knew that I had the ability to fulfill two dreams because I did have a dream to go to West Point and serve in the military. And then also um, a dream to play lacrosse at the highest level. So. That's awesome, man. I mean, so now we're shifting gears you know, we've, we've kind of gone through, you know, your time at West Point and now we're going through you getting drafted. I mean, now you're drafted. Um, obviously COVID throws a wrench into kind of everything, but you know, kudos to the MLL. They do a great job putting, um, you know, the kind of the championship, um, set up together. Um, talk, uh, walk us through kind of life in the bubble. What was that like? I mean, it's kind of got to be a somewhat surreal. I mean, you, you go from obviously playing at the division one level, the highest level of, you know, at the division one, division one level. Now you're going into the MLL and you're playing alongside some of these guys that, you know, are legends of the game, like John Grant Jr., those type of guys, but you're also in a bubble and you're also playing in front of no fans. So can you kind of talk us through kind of what that was like? Um, and then also too, I mean, like you said, you're an active service member. So, you know, what did you kind of have to do on your end to make sure that you were able to kind of get that full time off so that, you know, you could participate? Yeah, because you were you were a late addition to the roster, if I recall. Like you didn't have, I guess, permission right away to play in the tournament, right? Yeah, so uh, there was a new uh, law um, that allowed uh, academy graduates to pursue a professional career in their respective sport. And so what that did was allowed guys, uh, like we had, I had a couple of classmates who are now um, at NFL training camps, and uh, one guy signed with the, the Cincinnati Reds. And so that allowed that, and then another guy who's playing hockey, um, but that allowed them to pursue their sports because that is a full-time job and so what they did was they had to essentially not commission as an officer right away um and and kind of be in the inactive reserve and allow them to pursue um their professional sport career and so what that didn't highlight was a situation with like professional lacrosse where it's technically um, I think designated as semi-professional because it's not full time and, and, uh, it's a little bit different with contracts and, and all that stuff. And so that was kind of an awkward, or it didn't really say yes to allow me and Tom Rigney to go play. And it didn't really say no, but the way that, um, at first they were reading it was, they didn't know if it was going to be allowed to be approved for us to actually go play. And so, um, without the support of, uh, the superintendent general williams uh the head jag officer which is uh the military attorney uh colonel smoot and and brad brown who is uh one of the lacrosse operations guys and then our athletic director mike buddy um we wouldn't have had the opportunity to actually play and they really spearheaded um that process of trying to find essentially the right wording to be able to allow us to play because we don't have to not commission and we still get to uh serve 
um, on a full capacity that they kind of had to find out how to get it approved. And uh, without their support and without their willingness to find that, uh, we weren't going to be able to play. And so that's why it took um, a little bit longer than, than most. And that's why we were, we were late additions is because they were trying to find out how to get that approved. And, um, and so they eventually did. Um, and, and that was what allowed us to go play and then showing up to the bubble. I mean, I was kind of on the, the bottom of the totem pole again, you know, and I hadn't been like that in a couple of years. Um, so I was nervous, you know, I wanted to go out and, and prove myself and, um, uh, and have the ability to, to contribute and make contributions to a team that had made it to the, the MLL championship the year before and had a guy like John Grant Jr. and guys like Ryan Lee and uh, Chris Aslanian who were just amazing players and um, the list was on. But uh, I was nervous because, you know, I wanted to earn my spot and earn my playing time. And uh, those guys did an amazing job of welcoming me and the other rookies and, and also the other the newer additions to the Outlaws in and um, being on such close teams uh, at West Point, I didn't know what to expect with a professional team um, because, you know, you aren't together all the time and you don't always have time to practice or hang out. And so I didn't know exactly what to expect. And I mean, and it blew all of my expectations out of the water. Uh, those guys were great. Um, and the team was close. You know, we ate every, pretty much every meal together and, and hung out uh, because once we got there and we knew we were uh, negative, you know, we could have a little bit more freedom to, to, um, have meals together and, and hang out. And so, um, I mean, it was really awesome the way that they welcomed us in and they treated us and uh, treated us like as if we had been with the organization for 10 years. And so um, it was great. Uh, life in the bubble for me wasn't as hard to adjust to just because the environment that I had had the past four years at West Point, you're almost in a bubble uh, yourself because you can't leave as much or, or you might not have, you know, the amenities of a normal house or, or whatever. So that wasn't as much of a shock or anything to me, but uh, it was really just great being around the guys and, and seeing how they treated one another and how the organization is. And um, I couldn't have been luckier being a part of the Outlaws. And, and my experience at the bubble was, was great um, and allowed me, uh, you know, to, to be able to continue to do what I love. So um, it was really great being a part of that team. So being, you know, being an offensive player, I'm not sure who your idols are. I'm sure John Grant Jr. is one of them. You you play your first yeah, game, you get your first goal, and it happens to be from who other than John Grant Jr. What was it like to get your first goal of your career from somebody that you know is is more than likely an idol of yours? Yeah, I mean, growing up watching him play, I mean, the stuff he has, he he does with the lacrosse stick is it's really it's kind of it's magic when you see it. And so um, I had scored the goal and at first I was so nervous and, and so excited that I was, I didn't even realize what really happened. It was kind of uh, just surprising really. And, and then I, I, I ran over to the sideline um, and kind of sat there and, and, you know, the game resumed and I was like, wait a second, like John Grant Jr. Just had the assist on my first uh, professional goal. And it, that kind of sank in and it was kind of like a, 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 uh, just a moment where you just have to take in and um, it was really cool. And um, I hadn't really noticed it at first. And then when I really realized that I was kind of blown away, I was like, that doesn't really happen. It's kind of be like, you know, LeBron James or Michael Jordan passing you the ball on uh, your first shot, like in the NBA or something. So it was, I was pretty surreal to, to realize that um, the assist came from, from him. And, um, and then it was really special. 
Kind of staying on that topic, I mean, his kind of role with the team is so unique. I mean, you haven't really seen it since, I mean, Gary Gate was the player coach with the Bayhawks all those years ago. What was it like, um, you know, having Junior as your as your offensive coordinator? And, I mean, obviously the pro game is much different than the college game. I mean, you know, now he's taken that role with Hopkins. I mean, how do you see him transitioning? I mean, he was at Air Force, obviously, but how do you see him, you know, transitioning now kind of towards the tail end of his pro career, kind of getting into, you know, being the OC at, at Hopkins? Well, I mean, at first it was different because uh, – he does coach while he plays. And so um, not only it was different, but it was also really cool. Um, yeah. And I learned, uh, and so you, you were kind of playing and then you realize he's also coaching at the same time while he's on the field. And um, that, it was great. Um, and then when he wasn't playing and he was that full-time kind of coach, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not only is he great on the field, but he's like a genius off the field. Just the, yeah. the plays he would draw up on, on a whiteboard during a timeout or, or immediate timeout or, in between quarters, I mean, that's like a full playbook that he just has rolling in his mind at, at all times. And so um, I mentioned the assist and how cool that was playing with him, but it was also really, really amazing being able to learn from him and mm-hmm. kind of know what goes on in the, in the head of a kind of lacrosse genius. And so I think that transition for him is going to be seamless um, to John Hopkins. And um, I think he's going to do an amazing job there. Um, and, 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 and just kind of the stuff that he knows as a coach is, has been great to learn from. Um, and so that I really, I really enjoyed that just as much as I enjoyed being able to play with him. Um, it's just all the stuff that I learned from him over the week. Yeah, it's really neat. Like the one kind of, I mean, there's a lot of images and things that stick out from that week, you know, obviously from, from our standpoint, being a fan, but kind of seeing, I guess, I don't know if it was a media timeout, timeout or whatever, but, you know, kind of seeing him draw plays with Gatorade cups, you know, on, on a folding table, you know, in between timeouts. I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. It's like, you know, that's that, that's that Canadian creativity, I guess. Yeah, he's kind of like look at him like a mad scientist, you know. Yeah, the gears are turning in his head, and he just sees the game so well that he can turn whether it was lacrosse balls during practice or, or gloves or whatever. He's just kind of seeing it um, like happen, and it, it was really really cool to be able to learn from that. So shifting away from lacrosse for a second, so obviously the the tournament's over now. What's next for you in your military career? I mean, as much as you're allowed to say, you know, are you off traveling somewhere or you, you know, do you have to do some more training or, or what's that for, you know, what's that like for people that aren't really familiar with the military? Yeah. So right now I have the unique ability. Um, I'm working in the athletic department uh, back here at West Point and I'm uh, specifically attached to the strength and conditioning team. Um, but it's a six month assignment um, where uh, former athletes, have an opportunity to kind of be a grad assistant almost with the team and um, or with their respective programs. And so um, me and, and three of my other teammates are renting a house uh, up near school. And so that's a, another first for me that I haven't had, um, you know, cause you live on, on post mm-hmm. or you live in the barracks all four years. And so right now I, I have the awesome ability to work in the athletic department and also uh, with various things that West Point, has that um that we might have to work for like uh like helping out with summer training right now for the other cadets and then um whether it be other things during the school year kind of um but i have that for six months and then i'm uh, i'll be down at 
Fort Benning, Georgia, um, for kind of my, my training for the, my specific, uh, branch in the army, I'll be an armor officer. So I'll go down to Fort Benning for another six months and, and kind of become an expert in that field, which is, uh, primarily, uh, tanks, tanks and, and cavalry, cavalry scouts. And so, um, I'll, I'll learn that. And then I'm off to Fort Riley, Kansas after that. Um, but I have unique ability to be able to kind of continue to stay around sports right now and, and learn from, uh, the different, uh, like another side of the army, um, that is West Point and, and the athletic department and everything. And then I'm off, uh, down to Georgia to, uh, learn even more about the army and, and kind of start that, uh, exact career. Okay. Yeah. My dad, I, I spoke with my dad before this interview because I was actually an army brat. I, uh, I was born on an army base in, in Germany and then I lived in Fort Meade for a little bit. So I asked him, okay, yeah. what, do you, what, do you, what do you know about the, the tank guys? And he's like, all I know is back when I was in the army, you had to be pretty nuts to be in a tank when they have like uranium shells and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't know if that's going to translate to this interview, dad, but <laughs> He said you have yeah, to be official uh, kind of crazy to be in a tank. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean the the technology that they have now is, uh, I mean it's second to none with, I mean around the globe. And um, I know that they just kind of released a new uh, tank, and that the army's using. I don't know much about it, but um, I know those things are a lot safer than they might have used to be. And so um, for me, yeah. it was uh, I just thought they were cool and it was something that i i wanted to do and so i, I uh, pursued it that's awesome well we appreciate you know you, you doing that in your service um as far as you know i know it's very unclear for you because of the the path you've chosen but as far as you know your future in lacrosse do you hope or foresee yourself being involved in the future in some way yeah, absolutely. It really uh, boils down to um, as long as it doesn't interfere with uh, the, my duties as an officer. And so it's it's based on um, kind of the, the schedule that my unit has, uh, whether it be deployment or training. Um, but it is unique because lacrosse is, I mean, aside from this unique year, it, it is a weekend thing um, to be able to play. And so um, as long as it is approved by my commanders and, and it doesn't interfere with my army responsibilities. And I would absolutely love to continue playing um, and continue to have the opportunity to play. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you think that the fact that this year it was, you know, kind of compressed into like a one week commitment, do you think that helped you get permission in, in, in some way because you weren't really stretched out over the summer with commitments it was just for one week? Um, I, I'm not really sure um, just because in years past there haven't been um, an issue. It was more just okay. the, the, you know, the new, the new law that they that allowed for the other guys in other leagues to play that they had to find the right way to, to approve it for us. And so um, it might've helped. And it also might've helped that we were recent graduates. And, and at that time we were still on graduation leave. So um you know, I think that it really is up to uh, the unit commanders. And like I said earlier, uh, without the help of uh, General William, Lieutenant General Williams, who's a superintendent, and um, the JAG, Colonel Smoot, uh, Brad Brown, and, and the athletic director, Mr. Uh, Mike Buddy, without them kind of doing everything they can to let us play, we, we wouldn't have had the opportunity. So hopefully, you know, in the future, um, everything lines up and I'll be able to play um, for – uh, the organization and, and continue to uh, have that career on the field. 
Here's my last question. It's kind of, you know, it's just a hypothetical question. All right. You get, <laughs> and, 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 and he's laughing because, you know, he thinks it's going to be something crazy, but this is something I, I know it's important to you. And you kind of alluded to the other thing. You get one more crack at Navy or you get to play for a national championship. Which one would you choose? Oh, definitely. Uh, that's, that's tough, but I guess Navy in the national championship would be uh, best I, case scenario. Oh, <laughs> I knew it. I knew um, it. I knew it. I mean, that's tough. I think maybe, you know. I think you gave the best answer. I think you gave the best answer. I think that would, I'll tell you what, that's what this country needs right now. (laughs) That would be, that would be, that would be the best national championship of all time. Yeah, I think so too. It'd definitely be uh, probably one of the most intense games. It's a special, it's a special game. Having, having been to, haven't been to a couple and haven't seen games up at Mikey. There, I don't think there's a better place to, to see a game in my opinion. And that's just the, the New Yorker in me, but um, I, you know, y- you hit the nail right on the head, man. Now were you conflicted yeah, at all you. having to play at Navy for an entire week? Actually, no. Uh, besides <laughs> Mikey stadium, that's, that's my favorite stadium, I think in the country to play. And uh, my little brother right now is currently in there. There's summer training program at the Naval Academy Prep School, and okay. he's going to play lacrosse. He's going to play lacrosse for uh, Coach Amplo down at Navy, and so I think it was pretty cool to be able to have that chance to play on that that field. And it is such a unique stadium, and you kind of look around when you're playing, and you see the all the different uh, locations of these Navy bows and stuff. And it's just a really cool place to play. And um, you know, I'm friends with guys who have played at Navy or are there now, and um, you're, you're really close to those guys except for one day a year. And so it's really unique, I think, to be able to play at such a cool stadium and such a great place. And then having the family connection with my little brother was, was pretty cool. That's awesome, man. You, he, Coach Ample brought in a really good recruiting class too as well. I mean, that, that his freshman – well, his class is, is going to be – it's going to be – they're going to be good for a couple – they're going to be good for a while. Yeah, I'm definitely, you know, torn to – root for my little brother or, or root for the uh uh as an alumni so it's going to be some some interesting years uh definitely in the house but um i can't I'm not i couldn't be more proud or excited of him and um and so i think it's just really cool well miles we really appreciate your time and, and you coming on the podcast and everything you're doing for the country so you know we wish you the best of luck and, and we really hope to see you on a lacrosse field again in the future yeah thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it it was awesome getting to speak with you, man. Be safe and, and, and thank you again for everything that you're doing for this country. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Take it easy, Miles. All right. You too. That's it for another episode of Going Offsides presented by the Lacrosse Collective. Please follow us at Lax Collective on Twitter or go to our website, thelacrossecollective.com. Stay tuned for more episodes.